everyone. This is the Scots Way podcast. We're calling this Joe Mango at the second attempt <laughs> because uh, we, we, Joe was very kind to, to come round and uh, attempt to record one before, gosh, was it before New Year? It was, it was before Christmas. Before Christmas and unfortunately Ian, we now know how vital <laughs> Ian Gregson is to this whole operation because uh, Chris and I trying to work the recording equipment was like Zoolander and Hansel just kind of hitting the machine to make it work. Anyway. Joe, thank you very much for coming in. You're very welcome. And Chris, he's back again. Yes, hello. Failed audio engineer. Failed audio engineer and the main man, Ian, is back. So hopefully everything... (laughs) We've already heard uh, Joe play two songs for us, which you will hear uh, later on. Freedom of Sea Monsters. Yes, that's right. And Evermore. Mm -hmm. From Murmuration. Murmuration, the new album, yeah. Now, being an old... Young ornithologist. I was in the young ornithologist when I was a child. I know what murmuration is, Mm -hmm. but uh, explain yourself to those who might not know. Okay, murmuration is the collective noun for a group of starlings. It is just starlings, isn't it? Because I couldn't remember whether it was all birds, but it is. It's this. No, there's all different ones. So, murder of crows. Of course. A muster of storks. Lots of murmuration of starlings. They all get mentioned in the song. But, um,. Yeah, it's not the title. The title of the song comes from is Black Sun, yeah. which is what they also call really large flocks of starlings in Denmark, I think. Oh, where they okay. have really, like, tens or hundreds of thousands of them all in one big flock, doing that amazing aerial acrobatics. That's that the thing. Do. It's that beautiful, mm-hmm. unbelievable uh, ballet that happens in the sky when yeah. birds just, you know, move as one. Yeah, it's incredible. Really incredible. You used to see it a lot more than you do now. There used to be one in the city centre of Glasgow that used to see oh, is that right? They all lived in a warehouse over on Bath Street, I think. But all since the they started This sounds down, like you're giving them total personalities. Oh, yeah. they all live together. It's a commune, you know. <laughs> That's true. Excellent. Then, th- yeah. then things went wrong. Then things went wrong, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They knocked down the building they lived in. And oh. I don't know where they went, but they're not here anymore. So is that true? I mean, there mm-hmm. is a kind of... A bit like bees going missing. Yeah. And you don't see as many flocks because yep. there's no for them to stay basically it's, well yeah yeah because they're knocking down derelict buildings and that's where mm-hmm. they used to live mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes me sound again like I'm sorry that's where they used to roost um, <laughs> and because they're really they have to live in big flocks if you lose a certain number of them then, then they just collapse the whole okay. colony colony it's not colony the colony. whole murmuration will collapse yes <laughs> it's like passenger pigeons in America these massive birds that used to fly around in big flocks and they could fell a forest because they were too heavy for the trees if they all landed on them once apparently um, the same thing <laughs> and guess why they died just think America big fat birds lots of them what do you think happened people eat them people shot them all <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah and they don't, they're extinct now because like once twenty percent of them had gone, then yeah, the there rest was the rest kind of lost mm-hmm. will. Yep, yep. So it's almost like it is. Like, it's almost like socialism when it starts to fragment. <laughs> oh, here we go. go. Here we oh, go. Okay, I know. I always get back to that. <laughs> it's always like everything's always like socialism, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's like life. Yeah. Anyway, it, I look. You know, I think it's a fantastic record, oh, it's, thank you. and. Um, it's on a Olive Grove who have put together a fine roster. Mm-hmm. Lloyd, if you're listening, you put a fine roster of people. <laughs> um, so what was the thinking behind the album? How did you decide to that this was going to be the record you're going to make? I mean, it's got for me, it's got a, um, a thematic sound, if that's the right mm. phrase that goes through it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you noticed that. Thanks. <laughs> I tried hard to do that because my first album was just a big disjointed mess of songs I happen to have written over. But that can work as well. I mean, you know, we've talked about the White Album, you know, these things Mm -hmm. kind of... Yeah, yeah. Um, But this one, well, it started out as an EP, actually. Mm -hmm. It was just four songs, um, which we recorded back in, was it 2006? Oh, my word. I think it was 2006. Uh, No, 2007, that's when it was, with with Adem. Because we were at South by Southwest together, me and Adem, the producer of the album. Um, And I just asked him if he wanted to do something together Fantastic. and he said that he would so we, well, yeah it was just an EP and we just did those four songs um, but then we both on listening to them we just thought that's yeah, should be an, you know it's too good to just be an EP not that there's anything wrong with an EP but no. you know um, they don't make as big a splash as an album so we decided we'd make it into an album and then um, it just took quite a long time <laughs> to write the rest of the songs um Adam got really busy and I was yeah. doing a PhD. But I think actually the fact that all all through that time I was doing that doing a PhD, I think that's really helped the themes of it to remain solid. I think any other five or six year period 
your thought processes or <clears throat> the things you're interested in would change quite a lot. But because I had this kind of grounding focus all the time. I um, think that's really interesting. Yeah. I think it comes across. And one of the, with the, you know, move to more songs on, on or, or longer formats, I think often you feel albums, there's maybe three or four tracks which you can t- tell that have been worked on and thought mm, on and then mm-hmm. they've, they've had to get the album out mm-hmm. and work on them quickly. Yeah. Um, there's no feeling of that there at all. It's interesting, it's taken a, lo- a longer time to do it mm. no, and with the same producer, who's also mm-hmm. has a similar uh, kind of, well, aesthetic, I would mm, think, as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah, we're both instrument collectors, yeah. so his house and my house are both crammed full of crazy things that we've collected. His is more full of crazy things. <laughs> um, He's got a harpsichord, for example, It's pretty cool. <laughs> no, is it just because you don't have the space that you don't have? Yeah, any? pretty much. Yeah, he lives in a warehouse, so he's got lots of space. He's got space for murmuration in there. I was going to say, you had to push to get rid of the bugs to fill it with harpsichords. And... Yeah, well, that would be a hard choice, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, sorry, I forgot what the question was now. Um, but you took a long time oh, yes. working on it. Yes. and it, yeah. You knew what it was going to be like. That's right, yeah. I really dislike filler, you know? Yeah. I think that's something industrial that's come about. Through commercialization, yeah, Go back to the social. Yeah, well, I think I, I, th- I think that's right. I think um, when you moved in format from vinyl to uh, CD, that mm. definitely happened. And now you know, especially with downloads, yeah, yeah. But then I, I suppose people can pick and choose now which song, and it's a shame that it's not an, really an album anymore because people just mm. pick the, the tracks they like. Yeah. But it does maybe force people to try and make all the tracks as strong as they can mm-hmm. because people will just buy the ones that are strong otherwise yeah. so it's like an album of singles really that you want now which I suppose is a good thing even or, if it's not listened to as an album or an album where there is a, a, a kind of uniting theme or sound yeah. where you think well I'm missing a bit if I don't yeah you know, exactly it's a really strong journey or something that mm-hmm. you need to listen to it for yeah uh-huh. yep so I, I I even do that you know with lines within lyrics as well I just mm-hmm. try and cut out all filler like if it's not fulfilling a function or adding something then just don't I just won't have it yeah you hear that almost in a lot of writing classes as well you know that that I've been to well if it's not even if it's a really good line and you like it if it Mm -hmm. doesn't work with the whole get rid of it yeah it's hard it's like those slidey puzzles you know the ones where you have to put it in an alphabet or in a shape yeah yeah yeah. and then you get to the last three at the bottom and they're the wrong way round and you're like no I'm gonna have to take apart the whole rest of it and you just have to take apart the whole rest of it it's just what it's like Um, it's interesting you said about the, the Danish you said the Danish yeah. term for bird, because you know, you said previously when we were chatting and failing to record this <laughs> last time um, that you spent a lot of time in kind of Aberdeenshire mm-hmm. area, and I think there's a sound on the album that um, reminds me a lot of music that has come recently, and not even that recently, from mm-hmm. Scandinavia, from Denmark, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. from even from Iceland. Would you say yeah. that there is something that, to that? I do. Yes, I do really love. Scandinavian music mm-hmm. and um, and I do listen a lot to Scandinavian. But do you artists. think that 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 uh, those artists, because of the proximity of mm. Aberdeen and the links, often you know mm. commercial mm-hmm. or otherwise between the places, that that's maybe fed into that area more than other parts? Yeah, so. possibly. I mean, I used to speak a bit of Doric, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, not very well, but um, <laughs> and I grew up around Doric, and it's very it, apparently it's so close to Norwegian that. That they can that troll them and can um, communicate with each other if they just speak really broad Doric and tone down the Norwegian a little. Um, I don't know if that. I think it's true because there's certain words I know are definitely the same. Um, so there's pretty strong, yeah. pretty strong links. No, it got me thinking about any place where there are links in terms of whether it's. Um, uh, industry or, mm. or the, the influences must cross over. I mean, in Glasgow, there's a big influence of the West Coast. West Coast of America, America, basically, mm. you know, country and western music mm. or soul music and all yeah. that. Um, yeah, Liverpool, Bristol, similarly, and, and, and I shamefully never thought about Aberdeen till in this mm. record. I'm like, no, this sounds like, you know, Stina Nordenstam or, or, you know, people like that. A lot of us, I, I remember going on holiday to Iceland uh, many years ago and there was mm-hmm. a cracking little uh, record shop. I just yeah. took loads of stuff yeah. that they had and it did have this. Chili's the wrong word, but you know, there was a, a, um, a fragile, brittle feel to it that I think yeah. is also in that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I'm glad, I, I really enjoy that type of music, so I'm glad you can hear that. Well, I don't know if I, yeah. well, oh, I haven't lived in Aberdeen for a while, or Peterhead, mm-hmm. um, 
I wouldn't say I would have noticed that influence in the scene there so yeah. much. I wish I, I wish I had because yeah. I would really, really love that. Um, but obviously, it's filtered in somehow. You know, you just find you find voices that you relate to and mm. hook onto them, don't you? Because so. I think a lot of people don't realise there is a strong music scene in Aberdeen, isn't there? I mean, there's yeah, quite, uh-huh, a lot yeah. of decent venues and mm-hmm. uh, people that. I mean, I know a few bands, probably nowhere near enough, who. You know, are from Glasgow and from Edinburgh who do still go up and, and play regularly. Yeah, it is. It does feel a bit isolated from what's going on. You know, there's always been chat about how to allow Aberdeen bands to kind of grow a little bit because it does seem quite. Oh, there's like Dundee's on the <laughs> Dundee's <laughs> link, on the, way. the linking factor, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and there used to be Dr. Drake's. That was a really good bar that supported new music a lot. And in fact, I used to run. They let me run an open mic night there when I was. 16, I think. Goodness knows why my parents let me do that. um, (laughs) (laughs) They were just really encouraging in that way. And that's not there anymore, which I think is a real shame. Um, And there was the malt mill. who used to pay us £150 every fourth Monday. And we had to play for three hours. (laughs) But they paid us £150. And we were all underage... Uh, Three hours? I mean, that's Springsteen like. It's really long. <laughs> and was it covers? Was it? Yes, we did yeah. a bunch of covers, and I used to support us. <laughs> it was always when I was in a, in a band, like a rock band, and so I used to do the support for like an hour, and then we'd have ten minute break, and then we'd play for an hour and fifty minutes. So you thought one hundred fifty quid's good, but then looking back on it, <laughs> no, wow, it you earned that money. It was a marathon, but you know we had to learn that many songs. You know, so it's a real kind of good school. And then we got the... to save up our money to buy equipment and stuff like that. It was save really up amazing. For the I wish. Yeah. So for a Starling Warehouse. Starling Warehouse, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about... We, we spoke uh, uh, last year about how we thought the, the, the music in Scotland at the moment is in a very healthy condition. Mm-hmm. Because there does seem to be... Um, instead of being large movements of very similar sounding music, as I think there has been it could be said for a while Mm -hmm. there's lots of different bands who are doing their own thing and very confidently doing their own thing I mean do you think that is the case yeah I mean it's always been strong hasn't it really in Glasgow it's always been strong yeah but I just there were there was a time when there was there was a lot of bands I think that they were quite similar um there would Mm. maybe be um some brass and there would be I mean it would be a kind of folk scene type thing Mm -hmm. but not 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 enough to kind of identify themselves from each other, and I think that's that's over the last few years. I mean, mm. a, a band who I think tremendously, like the seventeenth century, have got mm-hmm. some new stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. Always had their own identity, but there was a lot of other people you thought, well, I kind of can see them a few places. Yeah. Um, but now, um, I mean, Chris, can you think of examples? For instance, this this month I've just bought uh, New Alistair Roberts mm-hmm. albums, the Pictish Trail mm-hmm. album. Um, Oh gosh, what else uh, is new that's coming out? Frightened Rabbit's coming out. Frightened Rabbit's coming out. Mm-hmm. Fat Goth, which is a record mm-hmm. I'm looking forward and, uh, to. The Meow Meow album yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I mean, there's a real variety of, oh, yeah. of sounds coming around. Yeah, I mean, looking at the top 50 albums of last year that the Herald was publishing, there was such a variety on on there. I mean, I know it's 50 albums, but, um, but you're right. I think, yeah, I think there is more variety and there's more venues, different places where people can play. And there's, um, more, there's a lot of, you know, going back to uh, Olive Grove, small record labels mm-hmm. who are, are willing to um, give people that perhaps wouldn't have found an easy home in a larger record label a chance. Yeah, anything. well, that's really crucial, really crucial that there are people like them mm-hmm. um, out there to support. It's like supporting supporting mechanisms are a lot more important than people think. <clears throat> you know, like record stores and uh, you know places for people to meet other people. Um, open mic nights like Nice and Sleazy's, it's a classic. Really, never come across an open mic night like like that open mic night. You know, yeah. Courses as well, music courses. There, there are quite a few, and that yep. fuels the scene as well. And art, good art schools. You see, I'm wondering because of what's happened recently with HMV and what mm. you know seems to be happening, perhaps with uh, big bookstores. Or what has happened with mm. them, and whether this is going, this is going to uh, there'll be that when say when Watersons goes, if it goes, there'll mm. be the same support for uh, writers. Perhaps mm. you'll get newer voices, whereas before they would say, "Okay, you're Scottish, are you a crime writer?" Then you might be, and if you're not, then mm-hmm. you're going to have to work damn hard to mm-hmm. ever get published. Yeah. And I think it was the same with Scottish music for a while. Mm. Well, you um, you know you you fit in. Uh, 
perhaps a kind of heavy rock. Do you sound like Biffy Clyro? Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to have a chance on you. Don't you? Then you're not going to get a chance. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's just major, mm. major label, major publisher thought, isn't it? Yeah, really? I'm excited yeah. by the fact that that's got. You know, mm-hmm. it's probably terrifying for people. Well, I know it is for ter- mm-hmm. people who are putting money buying the business. Yeah. About um, you know, you see, there's lots of art courses. There's lots of open mic nights and that spoken word nights mm-hmm. and, and sometimes they mix and match as mm-hmm. well which is, I think is a tremendous thing yeah. uh, it does seem to be um, you know a fairly a really kind of healthy scene mm-hmm. we've been doing these um, podcasts for over a year now and even in that year I think I've seen uh, a change, a change. Mm. I mean it swings and roundabouts because what you have is a lot more people who have to you know work 12 hour day are living and then come home and, and with, the with the two hours that they can stay awake for after yeah. that they have to cram their creativity into that, that is and I don't problem. know if that is I mean I don't know if that's fully healthy for creativity no. I mean I think it's good for people to have enough time and space to reach their full potential mm. and obviously we're seeing how much potential there is but yeah. I don't know if it can fully be reached when people are so overstretched and and there aren't the resources being put into it that I think that is absolutely uh, the problem Um, I know many musicians who are working full time and still Mm -hmm. manage to you know um, manage to write new stuff Mm -hmm. and get out there but it's a really tough business and even successful uh, writers or you would you would think people who you know who are successful who are published and known Mm -hmm. are having to do all these other things and Mm -hmm. and juggle all these other balls just to be able to try and and uh, get the time to, yeah. as you say, write the best book or make the best album. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Lloyd, Olive Grove Lloyd, spends every lunchtime from his full-time job running about town, taking CDs to record stores and posting things at the post office and every night, you know, yeah. puts his daughter to bed and then spends the rest of the time answering emails and, you know, doing that stuff. And he loves it, but yeah. it's... That's it's a more lot. Like, yeah, there's not enough hours in the day. No. You have to sleep and eat exactly. and do all those things exactly. at some point. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he's always a cheery man. He is. That's amazing. <laughs> I think some people you think they've got a time machine. So, well, not not a time machine, but something that makes time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You think, yeah. Where, where do you get all that time? I think it's just simple. You just change stuff. the calendar. You have your own calendar. <laughs> My friend Jenny's like that. She never turns up for anything in time. She says, "Yeah, but I'm on time for me." That's the thing. <laughs> Maybe they sleep less. Maybe he's like <laughs> yeah. more with Thatcher, and he just. He's actually Lies really, down I straight for three hours. We've had this conversation with Mark Buckland who runs Cargo <laughs> Publishing. Actually, you know, uh, he's only 12 years old. <laughs> he's, he's crammed it into the list. So maybe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, some people manage it. So uh, again, to talk a little bit more about uh, music, have you were you playing at all at Celtic Connections this year? I was, yes. I was playing on last Sunday oh. at the UBC <clears throat> for Hazy Recollections. Oh, excellent. Um, with Quick Beam and... Randall Sleep. It oh, was great. Another fantastic band. Yeah. Um, and Chris, have you, you you managed to... Not this year, just with uh, one thing and another, as I'm sure. You know, <laughs> I won't get into it all night, but as I'm sure uh, everybody around the table understands. Uh, no, there were a couple of things I really wanted to... In fact, one that I think you were at, Ali, was uh, Amy Mann yeah. with uh, mm, Ted Leo. Yeah. She was fantastic. Yeah. Really like, yeah. Oh, well, the thing, I, to digress slightly, because I want to talk about Celtic Connections and, and mm. how that's affecting things. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the Amy, she played... She came on and, and said, I'm going to play some stuff from uh, my new album, which I always feel I should apologise for. And it was great, you know. But And then she played the three kind of big songs from um, the film Magnolia. 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 Yeah. And wow, that was just, you know, my year made. It was just <laughs> incredible. Yeah. And then she finished with the 4th of July. And I think she was going to play something after it. I left because I wanted that to be the last <laughs> thing that I heard. But anyway, um, a fantastic gig. Mm. But... The the lineup I think um, it does seem to just get stronger and stronger. Does, and do you yeah. think that um, the success of Celtic Connections has been a, a positive effect on? Definitely, yeah. definitely. I mean, it's a shame that quite a lot of the concerts are a wee bit more expensive. It, they, they are. Expensive. You might want in January. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why I'm stunned at the success. Like genuinely, yeah. you know, it's it's. I mean, Chris used to work in the, the, uh, right. the concert I've hall. I've had my fill of Celtic Connections every January for three years, three Celtic Connections I worked in there. Yeah. I think, maybe, and yeah, just... But they were pretty much always sold out, right? Oh yeah, yeah, really popular. I mean, yeah. stuff you wouldn't really expect. I mean, I remember working 
on a Saturday morning for a concert that started I think half 11 and it was a piping concert it was like a two hour two and a half hour piping show and it was full mm-hmm. and I mean it was just pipes it wasn't like there were, I mean there were different pipe bands but it wasn't like there was variation it wasn't like oh we'll have a Kaylee band and then we'll have a pipe band up mm-hmm. to kind of you know after them and then we'll have maybe a wee folk group or something mm-hmm. it was just two and a half hours of pipes <laughs> Yeah. in various permutations this is obviously deeply affected you oh no the one that the one that I always bring up from this is there's one one where one group came on stage and a backing track started up and I I thought I recognised it and I was like that sounds a bit like that, that wouldn't make sense no why why would the Pipers be playing that then uh, they started up and it was they were playing Teardrop by Massive Attack on Pipes so um, is that the Red Hot Chili Pipers uh, it wasn't the Red Hot Chili Pipers it was uh, I can't remember who it was but it's just it was so weird because it's such a uh, nice wee soft song and then it's got blah, 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 you know, like blaring out. Um, yeah, so that, that's when you know you've made it, Joe, when you're red hot chilli pipers <laughs> and you're in the black sea. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That'd be amazing. But that's part of the point. It's, it's, it's such an eclectic... Where it could have been very inward looking mm-hmm. and, you know, you'd had to show your Celtic connection before you were allowed in. Yeah. It's so eclectic and yeah. kind of wide and that's been... I, th- I hope that is, is the big influence that people, instead of saying, oh, well, that's not Scottish or that's mm-hmm. not whatever, mm-hmm. just go and, 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 and kind of uh, welcome yeah. it in because Little Feet are playing tomorrow night yeah. and there's many... Um, uh, South Kita play this year. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, you know, it's, it, it's such a wide The last thing I saw, I think, was a couple of years ago the Walkman played, you know, like mm. New York indie bands mm-hmm. you know, that don't have any kind of... They're not even like a folksy indie band. They're just, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really bad. And I've discovered like, a lot of stuff through. I mean, I'm sure I first heard Joe at Celtic Connections. I think it was the, the Burnsong Songhouse thing that you, oh, you right, did. Yeah. That, that oh, year, like five, six years ago. Yeah, was that, yeah, 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 that was, mm-hmm. um, I was at that gig with yeah. like Norman Blake and um, Ziggy oh. from Found. Yeah, yeah, and Roddy Wimble, yeah. Yeah, and Roddy Wimble. Mid-year uh, wasn't there. No. And um, I think that same year was the first time I heard the Twilight Satyr songs going out to be like you mm-hmm. know, my favourite Scottish band of the past decade I think they were supporting mm-hmm. Camera Obscura yeah. uh, which is an odd lineup in retrospect <laughs> but um, <laughs> they were just kind of rammed together it's like here's a couple of indie bands that sound nothing alike but yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, we'll put them well, on that's what it. happens as well isn't it especially like the festival club afterwards yeah. and you get all the bands that have been on that night really really eclectic and everyone gets to meet everyone else and I remember the first time I played Celtic Connections um, I was super nervous playing at the festival club and I uh, was playing my kalimba and I got knee shake you know when your knee just shakes yes. down uh, the, the name is self-explanatory isn't it but I, don't know, <laughs> I believe I know what you mean. <laughs> if you've never experienced it it's just uncontrollable yeah. isn't it and my kalimba obviously sits on my knee mm-hmm. so it was really embarrassing because everyone's looking at my knee shaking up and down you know she got the rhythm yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's a bit of a brat over there um and I managed to get to it and then I came off and Eddie Reader was standing at the side of the stage and I'd never met her before and she was super nice and was like oh yeah I used to get knee shake and told me all these like visualisation techniques that she used to, to kind of get over her nerves and stuff and then and then I met John McCusker and Kate Rosby were back mm, there and we wow. got chatting and I don't know um, like lots of collaborations can come from that and Aberfeldy were on after them which yeah, was, wow. I don't know just a really mad mix of things um, I just thought that's astonishing where else does that happen yeah it's I'm really surprised great. nobody ever thought to film these things I know it'd be yeah. incredible there are a few YouTube I think there's a YouTube clip of us doing Baby Lee for oh, the yeah, second time or something songs. at the festival yeah. club that's pretty cool but yeah I know, it'd be great to document it all, you know, and then the resulting, the things that happened yeah. as a result of all and of that. And of course, mm-hmm. Baby Lee turned up on the last Teenage Fan Club album, like mm-hmm. about yeah. three or four years after after it emerged, the, the, yep. the Burn Song yep. song. Yep. Has, so. the first single, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's really exciting. It's, because when I first got the, the uh, I don't know why I had to touch <laughs> the programme, but when I, I'm thinking, when I had to first got the programme, I looked down and went, God, this is expensive. And it is. And then, of course, you start to think, well, a lot of them, it's more than two bands playing, and yeah. actually, they are some amazing musicians mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. Um, and a lot I, of like one off things. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, I mean, do you remember the thing we were at a couple, was it a couple of years ago with the Scottish Songbook thing where yeah. they all, it was all 
like Scottish musicians got up and covered other Scottish musicians. Mm. So you had like King Cree, so doing uh, Hamish Imler, he did Cod Love Royal and Orange Juice. <laughs> <Jason. laughs> Emma Pollock and Kareem Paul did uh, Humble Bums, didn't they? Did yeah. everybody yeah. knows that? You know, mm-hmm. um, all stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so and it's, it's, it's these kind of one-off things that you're, you know. You and there was the Dylan night yeah. I went to. I think was that last year. Oh, yeah. was it Ruddy Hart? Yeah, yeah. had put that on, mm-hmm. which again was uh, yeah. you know people doing lots of. Da- and there was the rumor that Dylan was going to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, but uh, it was a tremendous night. There I mean, was not. There was not for the Nick Drake night a couple of years ago I think everybody was firmly said, no there, there is I just I'm, I'm partly feels it would be nice if there was a few slightly cheaper but then there was stuff down in St Andrews uh, in the square which I think was about 10 quid and that. so mm-hmm. maybe I'm just being ultra picky yeah. and I do and think and the festival club's a good value the festival club's you know? great to get yeah. all, the, all those bands to yeah go on and play in. and it has become this huge success which mm-hmm. uh, I, I do I really do think it's kind of fed through into um, a, a kind of What's the word I'm looking at? Confidence. Yeah, yeah. How could it not, really? Yeah. And I think, like, a lot of people I spoke to who were just there to participate have, like, saved up. They've yeah. saved up the whole year and they have, like, an account full of money for Celtic Connections. Yeah. Yeah. That's that just, tremendous? That's amazing. There's people and, you recognise. I mean, working in concert, there are people who come back, like, year on year that you mm-hmm. only see at that time of year. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they come down, they come down from up north or they come over from America or they... You know, whatever it is they do, they come specifically for the festival and they do the festival, you mm-hmm. know, they just spend the month in class. So it's like yeah. the Edinburgh Festival but for music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's commitment, isn't it? I, I was just speaking about that with my friend and I was saying, I should really do that. You know, sometimes you get a bit blasé about it, like when you're just at a festival to play, mm. you can, you know, you get into the festivals for free and stuff and there's something, there maybe something about not paying for it that you kind of get, you know, you, you think, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll not see that, I'll stay backstage and tune my guitar yeah, and you know some yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. band is playing over there it's really weird when you think about it I, I know having done some stuff at the book festival in Edinburgh and you're right mm. you know you've got a pass yeah. I think oh you know such and such is going there ah oh, well oh no I'm just going to go and have another coffee yeah, yeah. what yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. sure I'd be going other people are money queuing for up for three hours even, even the opposite is true as well I mean obviously like Having, I, when I worked at the concert, it was front of house stuff I did at the concert, so I had to be mm. in the auditorium for a lot of them. And sometimes you'd be like, oh, why am I? I don't <laughs> want to be here for this. But um, the, the one thing I was like, Katie Lang, I would never have thought to go see off my own back, mm-hmm. but she was on a few years oh, ago and she put on an amazing show, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, what I mean? like, regardless of like, you know, your take on the songs or anything like this mm-hmm. or, or, or albums, you know, she, she really put on a great show, you mm-hmm. know, a great voice and great performer. Yeah. And I would never ever have thought of like, yeah. I mean, obviously she's a massive name and stuff, but flicking through the Celtic Connections program, I would not have like put a tick next to Katie mm-hmm. Lang or something. It's something yeah. that was on my prior- priority list. But yeah, no, just being forced, <laughs> forced yeah. effectively to stand through it, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it was worth it's it. It's pretty cool, end, yeah. 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 So I think this, well, my New Year's resolution this year was to take more holidays, mm-hmm. but it's also included in that is... Like be committed to going seeing stuff and enjoying it. I love the idea that people, you know, that their kids are not having Christmas this year because they're saving up, <laughs> you know, to go and see Kate Risby. <laughs> no, you know. I My first ever gig albums. was at Celtic Connections, actually. My parents took me to see Capra Kelly when I was about eight or nine. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, it would have been the second or third year that it ran, I think. Probably like 94, Gosh. 95. Well, this year was the 20th anniversary, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gabriella listening to that were like, oh, <laughs> you know, people come up saying, I'm "Oh, my first gig when I was eight was yeah, coming to yeah. see you." They're like, oh, and we no. met on the way so, out. We met Artie and Silla from the Singing Kettle. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, so it was a big night all round. Yeah, <laughs> made a young boys' night. Oh, it did. <laughs> it really did. Oh. My two favourite bands. I've got all your records. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did as well. Quite a lot of quite a lot of fans come up to Vashti Bunyan after shows and say I wish you were my mum <laughs> which is really sweet but at the same time she's like I don't think I like that <laughs> makes me feel old and but yeah, yeah. That's weird. it's I male went, fans I yeah, went to see the uh, um, film The Wee Man the other night which is the kind of Paul Ferris uh, story and the, his parents in the film are played by Dennis Lawson and Claire Grogan and part of me said oh I would love to have had Dennis Lawson and Claire Grogan as my parents but then I went I used to fancy, I still do fancy Claire Grogan. What's that all about? Oh, it's all going is, wrong. What is that all about? Yeah, I have no idea. But they're just like, dear, it's awesome. Write in if you know what that's all about. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, there'll be a prize for anyone who can uh, work that one out, I think. You can unpack the psychology <laughs> behind Ali fancying and Claire Grogan whilst wanting her as his mum. Yes, okay, let's let's finish that line of conversation. So while you're talking about your favourites uh, being singing kettles and stuff, I think it's time to ask. Ask Joe some of the favourites 
that we do. Um, we ask everyone these questions. Uh-huh. So. And you can, t- you know, there's no... You can just have as many as you like or oh. talk through what you like. But first is favourite music. Favourite music. Oh, yeah, it's so hard. I know it's they're all so hard to so just kind of talk can through. I, it can change tomorrow. It can, okay. you know, we'll put can little I, addendums on <laughs> whenever we go to do it. Um, well, Joanna Newsom is oh, yeah. an unwavering Absolutely. big part of what I listen to. Um, and um, see, all the names go out of my head as yeah, soon as someone asked me this. Um, love Scandinavian bands. What was that singer? <laughs> see, while you were talking to me about Icelandic bands, I was thinking. What's the name of that singer whose album we spoke about a lot when we were recording the album? Whoa. Her album was called Englar Og Darar. Right. Yes, it's... Um... Oh, God, I've got it next door. Yeah. Right, we'll, we'll come back and... Uh, Olaf Arnold's, that's Yes, it. that's right. This is ridiculous. I have a problem You shouldn't be asking me. This is my name. My names exactly. and me are just exactly. terrible. Olaf Arnold's. I yep. like her music an awful lot. Well, her first album in particular. Um, what else am I listening to at the moment? Um, can I get my phone out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Okay. That's two. It's two, it's too difficult. But yeah, we discuss, I, I think it's interesting, you know, because that, when I, when I first heard uh, the album, that's immediately the part of the world I thought, mm. yeah, I can see, you know, um, you know, some, I don't know if you do this, but I kind of picture the perfect place for listening to certain albums. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I yeah. can imagine kind of walking up the fjord yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. and with uh, warm clothing on would be the perfect place to do it. <laughs> yeah. oh, with my Bird. binoculars Andrew on. <laughs> oh, yes, Andrew Bird, Bird yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah, I love his music. I thought we might have a similar uh, collection of music. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to something that's only going to be mildly less more difficult. Yeah. Favourite book? Favourite book? Oh my goodness. Or favourite books? Um, what ones have really kind of uh, I really influenced like, you? Uh, the Blind Assassin by Margaret Atwood. Right. It's one of my favourites. Um, influences though. There's a lot in the album actually, kind of, there's a Margaret Atwood reference in there that comes from The Blind Assassin. Mm-hmm. Um you don't look back a long time, you look down through it. Right. There's a quote from, a quote from her. Um, and there's some Goethe in there, poetry. Yeah, um, like Goethe and um, Evermore. Um, Peace is strong when your heart is sore, ever may you find this evermore. Um, was kind of twisted out of a piece of Goethe where he said, um, my peace is gone, my heart is sore, never may I find it, nevermore. I've kind of rolled that around. I'm telling you all my secrets now. I was going to say, <laughs> earlier on we were being shown the musical secrets and now the lyrical secrets. Um, and King Lear is referenced in there as well. Um, so Shakespeare. I'm not, I wouldn't say I was a massive Shakespeare fan, but he, gets, he, he wrote, some good, he he wrote some good lines. He, he was all right. <laughs> he was all right. He was yeah, all right. had his moments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just read Haruki Murakami's new, the first two books in his trilogy, and I've enjoyed that a lot. Okay. Um, the new, there's your new Murakami's. Yeah. Is that about a one Q eight four? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One Q eight four. I read the first two and the third one's really fat and I need to buy it. Um, yeah. I like it because it, it it takes me into Japan. I love Japan and I love being in a world where I'm in Japan. I'm a big fan of Murakami yeah. and just because I've been reading lots of Scottish stuff for mm-hmm. the last few years, I haven't really had the ch- time to sit sit down with the new stuff. But there was yeah. a a time where he was it was like buying. Um, Smith's albums, I had to get the next, uh, you know, Murakami mm-hmm. that came out. And I agree yeah. with you. He takes you to Japan, but a very modern Japan, a really, yeah. uh, one that you can relate to, but it's still got that lovely surreal quality mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I really like, I like, I like a book that makes a whole other world. Mm-hmm. You know, when you finish reading it, you're a bit like, oh, this is normal. Yeah. <laughs> normal life where there isn't a yeah, it kind of reality over. I can jump into there. <laughs> like in Father Dougal's head where they jump over <laughs> in the, you know, reality. Oh. Yeah, I can't, I'm glad it's not just me that has no, that. No, no, so yeah, I like a book that does that. Whatever. Well, uh, let's move on to film. Film, oh my. Um, I really liked, um, what was it called, that Lars von Trier film with where there's a planet hiding behind the... Oh, Melancholia. Melancholia, I thought that was yeah. amazing. Chris is the von Trier expert here. Yeah, oh, that was totally, totally amazing. I was so glad I went to see it in the cinema because it's... That opening scene is amazing. Have you yeah, seen it? Yeah, I haven't seen it. They like ultra slow motion yeah. with them all running oh, across the grass, yeah. Unbelievable. Is this the one when he was promoting it? He made his oh, comments. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
It can, yeah. yeah. I'm not, do you know what? I think I might go and try and get a copy of that today because it's that something that I... Uh, mm-hmm. It's very good. Don't let that comment be <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not, I listen, I, I'm not at all. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's... Well, my PhD thesis was about schizophrenia and music and um, kind of mental health issues are obviously a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And that film is just an incredible depiction of depression slash anxiety. Yeah. I just think it's unbelievable how he's done that. It, so really as a slight aside, uh, have you seen the film The Silver... What's the Silver f- Linings Playbook. No, yeah, I which again, it's no. supposed to be... Have you seen it? Yeah. Is it? I oh, wasn't a fan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there ever more damning <laughs> things than that? Oh I wasn't a fan. Oh, yeah. Again, it does deal with, with, with mental it health. It does, but it does it in, in quite a, a kind fashion. of standard Hollywood cutesy way where like, you don't need treatment, just have the love of a good woman. You yeah. Know? Oh, really? You know, yeah. Kind of yeah. disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I do like Magnolia. You mentioned that. It's yeah, a good, it's a really good film. It is, yeah. Um, and I like kind of slightly magical, slightly childish films. Nothing sometimes. wrong with that. So what was that? <laughs> the one the little kid got nominated for an Oscar for just this uh, year. Beasts of the Southern Wild. Wild. I enjoyed yeah. that quite a lot. It was unexpected. I wasn't really didn't really know what I was gonna what I was going to see, but I enjoyed that a lot. It was like a child's perspective. So uh, it becomes like almost a fantasy. Yeah, there's wee elements of child, yeah. There's been a few, few films like that. that over Where the, the wild years. things are. Yeah. Was a, was oh, a I thought like that was that. tremendous. Mm-hmm. That version of Where the Wild Things are really yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, this is going back to favorite music, um, but again, I think you've got a, a very distinctive singing voice yourself. Mm. So, favorite singer or kind of influential singer? Oh, as in terms of their voice. Yeah. Well, that's really tricky. Um. Or something that even you might not think it's my stuff I would like to mm. listen to, but technically you think, wow, that's an amazing... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Edith Piaf, mm-hmm. being able to sing like that, with the amount of emotion yeah. that she can put into it, that's just incredible. Um, and here's, I was listening to someone with a really powerful voice the other day, and I was thinking, imagine being able to sing with that amount of force. I can't, I can't remember who that was. <laughs> I'm so see, I'm so bad. I just I don't. I retain big concepts in my mind, but not. I remember details. quite distinctly. Uh, this is fairly horrific. Um, hearing the first time I'd ever heard of Michael Bolton. Oh. Right, he was doing a cover of um, <laughs> "Sitting on the Dock of the Bay," mm-hmm. and at the beginning, you was like, "Wow, this guy's got an amazing voice," mm-hmm. and then he hit the boosters. I went, oh, nothing's going to Oh my God, what's this? But that was the example at the beginning. Someone that if he could control what he did, mm. he's probably got a really good voice. Oh, but yeah. somewhere along the line, if someone... He taste. Like, yeah, if he had taste. And <laughs> but, he here's, like, but here's the thing. At what point does he stop becoming Michael Bolton? <laughs> well, you know, if he can control that. Do you know what I mean? Are these people, <laughs> like, I think particularly... You, you gain a singer, but you lose Michael Bolton. <laughs> as a you know? Okay, yeah, that's very true. But you know, so you think the world would be a worse place without Michael Bolton? I have a friend one of my best friends from school uh, from primary school loves Michael Bolton, loves Michael Bolton. No, he yeah. went to see him on his own like surrounded by middle aged just him and women. Michael Bolton like, well no just him <laughs> and Michael Bolton yeah an audience with yeah no but he, he went he, like it's, it's a weird thing we can't like figure out how he latched onto it or anything like this but yeah no, <laughs> that's he awesome went, I he love it been to see, has conviction about what yeah. he yeah. he has been yeah. to see Michael Bolton like on his own you know with you know, as I say surrounded by screaming middle aged women <laughs> and then him like a guy in his 20s that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, Michael Bolton's worth existing just to make you know your just to make happy. my friend happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that there was I think particularly in the nineties there was a whole range of um, male and female singers who it was almost like an uh, Olympic event to see how loud and how far you could mm. carry your vocals. Celine Dion, of course. Celine mm. being a classic yeah. example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's just it's, you know it's less is more often less mm-hmm. is much more. Yeah. More. Yeah. I think um, the lady from My Brightest Diamond. Has an incredible voice. Oh, Shara, what's her surname? Shara Don't ask me. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the band. Like I don't know her name. Three old girls in the pub going, oh, what was the name? What was the name? Shara you know? Warden. I think that's yeah. her name, Shara Warden. She's got a beautiful yeah. voice. Um, I think she worked with Sophie and Stevens as well, didn't she? She's on, like, yeah. She does backing vocals on Illinois, oh, I think. I didn't know that. I did yeah. not know that. Um, and, Va- well, Vashti Bunyan's voice yeah. taught me, like, shortly after being on tour with her I mm-hmm. had real problems with my voice which have actually come back recently which is not very good um, but so I had nodules and I had to go through speech therapy okay. and all that to try and get rid of them um, and 
I think I had to learn how to use my voice differently because I couldn't really okay. belt stuff out anymore. And so having listened to her sing, then it was a knowledge that you can you can convey a lot of emotion without volume. Yeah, or, yeah, definitely. Or range. You know, you can you can diffuse that emotion into other areas of your work. And I really had to utilise that for okay. this album and with new I was going to say, do you think that's what that affect the, the, the sound of the album? Definitely, definitely yeah. yeah, definitely. So I really con- consciously focused on See, you know, forcing the emotion to... And no, it doesn't even have to be emotion, does no. it? But meaning or yeah. um, something like that in a more kind of... I guess it might, maybe it's a more mature approach, I don't know. Um, but just in different... different Limitation creates form. That's one of my favourite sayings. Oh, yeah. And that was the kind of <laughs> limitation on this album. And I hope it created... Definitely. I think it's interesting you talking about emotion, because for me, emotion, the most emotional music is the stuff that almost just... It's not straining to hear, but, you, you know, it's quiet mm. and mm-hmm. it's understated. And mm-hmm. you think... Because that kind of is what people's... I mean, there's two lights of pain, isn't there? There's pain when people scream out yeah, loud and that's yeah, it. But yeah. there's also the kind of private, quiet, awful pain that can't be said. <laughs> I like to get... I don't know where this has all come from today. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and... Uh, that podcast was... has been directed by Lars von Trier. Oh, dear. It's been a long week. Um, but I think that's the most moving uh, music mm, to yeah. me, is, is that kind of stuff, you know. Not, yeah. not uh, the big... Uh, screams of emotion or uh, this, uh, that's the, mm-hmm. the stuff where you're it's it's almost fragile and brittle and you think you know there's something's, something's breaking you I'm not saying this mm. about your album but uh, you know there is yeah. that feeling yeah definitely well the final one and then we'll let you go okay. <laughs> is we asked this uh, just what was the event or piece of music or whatever that made you decide that you wanted to do this yourself oh wow That's a really difficult question. I remember going to see someone. <laughs> Here I go again. Someone at the concert hall. Right. It was a female singer-songwriter. I literally cannot remember who it was, though, because I don't think that was important, yeah. who it was. But I just remember sitting in the audience, and it was the first time I felt like a... And this is going to sound awful, but I'll explain it afterwards. Like a physical pain of jealousy that right. they were the person on the stage that's and you were the person sitting in the audience. Right. And that sounds awful because jealousy is like a negative yeah, yeah, emotion. Yeah, yeah. It's not really jealousy. It's just like... Envy. A desire yeah. for that to be you. And that's not you, so it kind of gets projected outwards. But I've had it... It, it happens occasionally, you know, when you, when you see something really good or you listen to an album that's so good, you think, I will never be able to yeah. write an album that's as good as that. And you get that pain. <laughs> it's a painful feeling, but it's a brilliant feeling. It's really good that... You know, yeah. it's a sign of a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, I just read a short story by John Burnside, which is in his new collection. And uh, although I don't write a lot of uh, fiction stuff at the moment, I have done in the past. And I read that and went, oh, what's the, the point? <laughs> what is the point, exactly? <laughs> and that seems negative, but you, but but you, you channel it. it yeah. Exactly. It, you feel like that because you have the desire of an artist, which is to create something mm-hmm. really, really good or to perform really, really well. Um, and I think that's... That is positive. I love I mean, the fact that you can't remember who that person is because that's outrageous. Because really, you're right. It wasn't about who the person yeah. was. It was about your reaction exactly. to it. I want, that's what I want it to yeah. be. Yeah, and I think that might have been uh, when I was twenty-one, probably. Oh, really? Okay. So quite. I guess that's quite late. I don't really. I don't really know when. When does one know what one wants to do? I don't really know. Uh, still waiting. <laughs> still waiting. But I wasn't really into music that much until quite late. As, you know, I only started writing songs when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. 15, 16, um, and didn't really play instruments until quite late on. Okay. So it's all been a bit of a fast. That's because you went to, <laughs> to see Capper Kelly at the I age know, of eight. I know, if I'd gone to see Capper Kelly <laughs> and met people in the singing right. kettle, yeah. who knows what would have happened. Exactly, some words of encouragement <laughs> from Scylla and Artie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's the perfect place to finish. So Excellent. thank you very much, Joe, for no, coming along for and me. for playing. Fun. I'm going to hear some beautiful music. And thank you, Chris, for coming along. Cheers, Rob. And uh, we'll see you soon with uh, someone else. Cheers. This is Freedom of Sea Monsters.
This one's called Evermore. Okay, that's a rattle. Anyone else rattling? Snow had 